0: Well, in February of 2018, we started this series through the book of Acts in the New Testament, and today, after 46 sermons, uh, we have come to the final passage in the book of Acts. I just, I just cannot believe it. It's, uh, it has been an awesome ride, and but but what i 'll say is just don 't get too excited because we won 't officially finish this series until next week uh, because uh, we 're going to kind of do an overview of the whole book and talk about what that 'll mean for our church but today we 're going to wrap up the last specific passage at the end of chapter twenty eight and and this always happens when I get to the end of a series. Uh, when we've been in a book of the Bible for a long period of time, even a short one, I just get a little sad because I personally have spent a lot of time reading the, that book of the Bible, praying through it, and I just, I get attached, I get connected, and I love getting to, to be involved in that. Uh, but as as Winston Churchill once said, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Uh, and And when when he made that statement, he was referring to the struggle of World War II, uh, which wouldn't end for another two and a half years. But he said, this isn't the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And unlike... uh, Mr. Churchill, the outlook for us is a little brighter. It's a little more positive. We're not facing worldwide warfare because the ending of the book of Acts is, it's only the end of the beginning of Jesus' mission in the world that's carried out through us, his disciples. He is the living savior, present tense. We are his living church, present tense. So we're not just looking back on the history of the church. We're living in the present as Jesus Church on his mission. So so what we're gonna do next week is try to take all the things we've learned, maybe not all of them, <laughs> through the book of Acts and try to say how how are we gonna live this out together as a church family specifically in some real specific ways. Uh, things that we 're doing people that we 're putting in different leadership positions in our church, all that so uh, next week 's going to be a really neat week. I encourage you to be here I think it 's going to be exciting in in the life of our church to just look ahead and and to talk about the vision and the mission that Jesus has for us and and to talk about what maybe what that 's going to look like so so be here next week, but for today, I want us to turn to the end of the book of acts we 're going to be chapter twenty eight verses 17 through 31, and really what we're going to see here is what we've seen all along through the book of Acts, that on, when we're on Jesus' mission, when we're doing what he's called us to do, there's nothing holding us back from doing that, uh, from, from being on his mission, from doing what he is calling us to do. There's no restrictions for us as we declare and display the good news of Jesus, and, and as because I'm a parent and I have children, I understand that when you say, "There are no restrictions," um, your children just hear, "There are no restrictions." So, so just hear what I'm saying here. Uh, I'm not saying that what came to your mind when you thought "No restrictions, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about today. What I mean is that, that when we are living for Jesus. There are no hurdles that are too high for the power of the gospel. That's what I mean when I say there are no restrictions for us. So, so the things that we, uh, we think they restrict us or they prevent us from living for Jesus, they are not a problem for him. Uh, so we could say the training wheels are off. For us as, as the church of Jesus. And so as I read this passage, I want you to look for the four no's that we're going to talk about today. And, um, and they are no limits, no barriers, no fear, and no holding back. And I just, when I was coming up with the outline for today, I just thought, man, these sound like t-shirts from the 90s. Uh, no limits, no fear. Uh, but it's just present in the text and I just couldn't get away from it and I thought, let's just run with it. I tried to find my old no fear shirt uh, in, the, in the garage and I think it's been, di- it's disintegrated because I bought it in eighth grade. So um, no limits, no barriers, no fear, no holding back. So let's read Acts chapter 28, 17, through the end of the chapter, the end of the book. It's on page 937, 938. After three days, Paul called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, "'Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans.'" And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning until evening, he expounded to them testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets and some were convinced by what he said but others disbelieved and disagreeing among themselves they departed after Paul had made one statement the holy spirit was right in saying to your fathers through isaiah the prophet go to this people and say you will indeed hear but never understand and you will indeed see He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is God's word. Let's pray once more. Father, I pray that today would be more than just wrapping up a book of the Bible that we've spent these, these last months in, many months. Uh, but I pray for us that we would not be people who hear without listening and who see without seeing and who, who, who reject you with our hearts. We, we need to turn to you. We need to be healed no matter who we are, where we're at in relationship to you. And I pray that uh, you would guide us through this passage of Scripture to see the reality that we get to live in as followers of Jesus. And for those who don't know you today, would you you show yourself to them, Jesus? And for those of us who do know you, would we see you once again and be in awe and delighted at how good you are and how you love us and this life that you've called us into? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we have been following Paul's Missionary journeys, essentially from chapter thirteen on. So, big chunk of this book, and that's where we've been since February of this year. And 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 since chapter twenty-one, we've seen Paul. He's been in prison. He goes to Jerusalem. He gets arrested, and everything since then has been essentially a legal process of uh, arrest, trial no resolve, or you know, another trial, no resolution. Uh, there's an appeal to Caesar. Then there's a shipwreck that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And so finally, Paul makes it to Rome, and he's awaiting his trial, his appeal to be heard before the Caesar, before Emperor Nero. And the custom was that there was this two-year kind of waiting period. So the the people who were the prosecutors, could come and, and make their case, essentially. And they had two years to do it because there was no internet, there was no travel uh, that was easy to get to and from places. So you had to give people a long time to make their case. Uh, and so Paul is just there waiting. He's the accused. He's making his appeal. But he has to wait until his accusers show up before anything can happen. So he's under house arrest in the city of Rome. Uh, he's already been incarcerated in some way for several years before he gets to Rome. But, but what do we see him doing as soon as he gets to Rome? He's fulfilling his calling. He's declaring and displaying the good news of Jesus within three days. I mean, <laughs> he's been on this journey Their boat sunk. He got bit by a snake, right? He finally gets to Rome and he just, three days later, hey, I'm gonna invite all the local leaders uh, from the Jewish community to talk to them about Jesus. That's just what I do. This is just a guy who lives with no limits. He doesn't view himself as being limited in his ministry. So first he says, to the Jews, you might have heard some things about me. Let me tell you the story. Uh, and, and the assumption is that that word about Paul would have already gotten there. But for some reason, they have not heard about what's been going on with this guy, Paul. So they say, hey, we haven't heard anything about you, um, so, so he says, well, let me give you my side of the story. Let me tell you how it, how it is from my perspective. Basically says, I'm innocent. The only reason I appealed to Caesar was not to come back at the Jews with, with an accusation against them. I'm not countersuing them. I just want to be declared innocent. That's all, that's all I'm really looking for. I'm not here to tear down the Jewish faith. What he says is, I'm here to talk about the fulfillment of, I'm here to talk about the completion of our faith. And he says in verse 20, it's for this reason. This is why I called you, to, to, to see you, to speak with you because of the hope of Israel. It's because of the hope of the fulfillment of Israel, of the Jewish faith. That's why I'm wearing these chains. That's why I'm under house arrest. I'm here to talk to you about the fulfillment of the Jewish faith, the promises of the Old Testament being fulfilled in Jesus. So what does this lead to, this this declaration that he makes? And it's an opportunity to share the message of Jesus. And in verse 21 and 22, they basically say, you know, we don't know whatever this accusation was. We haven't heard it yet. Uh, And we'd like to hear from you about this whole Christianity thing, because like we... We, we know there's Christians and they're in our city, but we don't really know anything about it except everybody says it's it's evil. <laughs> That's what we know about it. So maybe you could explain it to us. Maybe you could talk to us about it. And there was a sizable Christian community in Rome at this time already. Paul's already written the book of Romans to this Christian community. Um, but for, for some reason, the Jewish and the Christian communities were not familiar with one another in the city of Rome. And that's most likely because they were both persecuted religious minorities. So the, the Jews had been uh, expelled from Rome about uh, 10 years before this had happened. So they've just been able to come back in the last five or six years, and they, they try to lay low. And so they're probably not going to want to be connected with another uh, Persecuted minority, religious minority. So they're like, we know there's some other people, but if we like hang out with them, that's going to even look worse. So we gotta just lay low here, and they they didn't want to attract any extra attention. So that's probably why they didn't really know what Christianity was all about. So so after just three days, Paul says, let's let's talk about Jesus, Uh, and and look at this, he he has been arrested, he's been shipwrecked, he's under house arrest, he's in a foreign city, he is awaiting trial before Emperor Nero. And I think to me, these all sound like perfectly good reasons to just have some downtime, (laughs) right? Like, I have been through a lot of stuff. Like, maybe I could just chill for a little while and, you know, get my bearings here and and get my feet under me and just, just wait to see what happens. And But for Paul, he doesn't view these as reasons not to to do what Jesus has called them to do. They're not limitations. He says, these these are opportunities. Like, this is an opportunity for me. If the Jews here in Rome don't know about Jesus, that's an opportunity. So I'm going to take that opportunity. Now listen to what Paul wrote uh, to the church in the city of Colossae. This is uh, a church in a different Part of, of the Roman Empire. And while Paul is in under house arrest, he writes four different letters to churches or individuals. And he says about his imprisonment in, in Colossians chapter 4 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, for the gospel, to declare the mystery of Christ. On account of which I am in prison, that I may make clear, make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Paul says, while I'm here in under house arrest, would you pray for me while I'm imprisoned?" And he doesn't say, pray that I'll get let go. He doesn't say, pray that the trial will go well. Pray that there'll be some kind of clerical error and I'll get out on a technicality because the guy, you know... You know, there was fake evidence. He doesn't, he doesn't ask for any of those kinds of things. He says, when you pray for me, and I want you to pray steadfastly, pray that God will give me the opportunities to tell people about Jesus and pray that I'm able to communicate him clearly to them. Paul wrote to another church while he was imprisoned during this time, Again, how does Paul view this circumstance that he's in, his his imprisonment? He doesn't view it as a limitation. He views it as an opportunity. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I mean, that is a different way of looking at things. What has happened to me has actually been better for the advance of the gospel, for the news of who Jesus is and what he's done. It's actually better that I'm in this position so the gospel is made known more clearly. And he says, look, it's even benefited the whole Christian community because as I am given these opportunities, they are being encouraged. They are being strengthened in their own boldness to declare and display the gospel more clearly in their own situations. And so... We could see that it's not just Paul, but it's the, the Christian community in Rome. They're saying, these aren't limitations. These are opportunities for the advance of the gospel. And, and I just go, how do we live like that? How do, we, how do we have that change of mind, that change of mentality, this freedom from limitations? Listen to what Paul says a little further on in this letter that he wrote during this time in Philippians. I will For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The reason that Paul can live with no limits and live in the opportunities that he's been given is because his expectation is that his life is in Jesus' hands. He's like, I'm, I'm good. It doesn't matter what happens to me. If I live or die... I will not be ashamed, but I can live in full courage and boldness because Jesus is going to be honored either way. If I live, it's for Christ. If I die, it's for Christ. He, his mentality is, I cannot lose because Jesus will not lose, and I belong to him, so, so I don't need to be afraid. So when we follow Jesus there are no limits as as we walk with him. There's no limit to the amount of opportunities that he's going to present to us. So in spite of our fears, in spite of what we look at as limitations, in spite of our circumstances, we can, we can look at these things as opportunities. And in the Holy Spirit, we're given the power and to to actually see them as opportunities and to actually walk in them. So next we see that there are no barriers when it comes to being on Jesus' mission. And, and this is really the whole story of Paul's ministry, his calling. His calling is to take the gospel of Jesus to everyone. Now, who, who are the types of people that Paul shares Jesus with? Who are his type? Who does he go to? He doesn't really have one. <laughs> he just is like, wherever I am, whoever I'm talking to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them about Jesus. That's my, that's my approach. It's basically like, is this person breathing? Yes. Okay. I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. That's his type, a breathing person. Uh, so, so even though Paul has been rejected by his, his Jewish brothers again and again, he keeps going back to them. Because he feels a burden and a responsibility for them. And so he doesn't look at their rejection as a barrier to the gospel. He just keeps going again and again. And, and as we see him in this specific passage, in verse 23, he invites them over, they come to his house, and it's a, it's a big group of people, and, and the text indicates that he lived in a large house, so he was able to have all these people over, and it says that he went all day, <laughs> from morning till night. And Paul likes to go a long time. We saw him preach so long, at one point a guy fell asleep and, and fell out a window and died. So Paul is long-winded. But, but for Paul, time is not a barrier. <laughs> There's no, no time barriers. He just talks about Jesus all day. And he uses the entire Old Testament. The, he uses the law. He uses the prophets. He goes just systematically through the entire Old Testament Jesus is the fulfillment of all the things the law points to. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the ways the sacrifices have been made. Atonement for sin. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these prophecies that have talked about the Messiah, the one to come who would set all things right as the king and the savior of Israel and of the whole world. Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. And he goes patiently through all of the scriptures. And he speaks to them from the heart, right? Paul didn't have PowerPoint. He didn't have a lecture. He just, these are my, my Jewish brothers. I want them to see Jesus for who he is. And he tries to persuade them. He tries to convince them. It's, it's showing us that he longed for them, not just to believe the same things he believed, but for them to see Jesus for who Jesus was, And when he's he's rejected yet again, he just says, I will keep going. I'll keep doing what I've done all along in my ministry. I'll bring God's story to the Gentiles because there are no barriers on Jesus' mission. Jesus' message is for every person. And that's what we see Paul do for the rest of his ministry in Rome. In verse 30, it says that he welcomed all who came to him. He was inclusive. Anyone who wants to come talk to me about Jesus, you are welcome here. As you follow Jesus, as you are on his mission, think what are the barriers in, in your heart, in your mind that prevent you from from sharing Jesus with with people, with certain individuals or certain groups of, of people. Who do you hesitate to go to? Who do you hold yourself back from opening your life up to who do you hesitate from inviting who do you assume will reject what you have to say and you just don't even you don't even go there you just just don't go there remember that there are no barriers on Jesus mission and that we take Jesus to everyone there are no limits there are no barriers on Jesus mission as we follow him and next we see that there is no fear, the most explicitly 90s t-shirt of all these points. (laughs) There is no fear on Jesus' mission. As Paul is awaiting his trial with the Caesar, how does he live? How does he carry himself? It says in verse 30 and 31, He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, and without hindrance, with all boldness and without hindrance. These, I think these two verses, they sum up our mission as a church. Here's, here's how we live as followers of Jesus. We see this bold display and declaration of the good news of Jesus. There's hospitality, right? Paul welcomes people into his home, into his life. So he's displaying the reality of the gospel. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, I will welcome all kinds of people into my life. And I'll tell them about Jesus. And through his speaking, he's boldly declaring the truth of the gospel. This is the message. And so when we when we declare and display the gospel of Jesus, it requires us to live without fear, without fear, with no fear. And I couldn't help but think about this story. Uh, I used to live uh, in Shelter Cove, way out there, and we were visiting some friends in Whitethorn. And so my brother Nick and I, we were at their house, and they had made like their own BMX track in the woods, way out there in the woods. And they said, let's go see our BMX track. Uh, spot. And these guys, you guys, you ever meet a family where like all of the kids are like crazy athletic and they can just do everything? They're like gymnasts and I don't know, they just do everything. So this is one of those families. And so we're out there and these guys are flying off the jumps and they're just tearing around their BMX track. Like they look like people you see on ESPN or something. And they're like, you guys should, you should do it. Uh, and we were using borrowed bikes so you're not on your home turf you're like this isn't even my bike Uh, and you know I had had several bike related injuries at this point in my my young life and I was like you know what? I'm just gonna chill (laughs) I'm gonna watch you guys looks like you got it under control and but my brother Nick has this you know because he's the second born he has this longing to prove himself, uh, and, and so he's like, I'm going to try it. He's brave. He's like, I'm going to go for it. He's been conditioned by me to go first in a dangerous situation, uh, and so Nick decides to go for it. I remember this so clearly. The other kids are like, um, you have to go full speed. When you hit the jump, you have to go full speed because if you're not going fast enough, you're not going to make it. So don't like be afraid, like you have to go full speed. And Nick started out strong, but he hesitated when it came to the jump and he didn't make it and there was a lot of blood uh, and we had, you know, this has happened to me so many times with Nick, bringing him into the house all bloody. (laughs) So that was our life growing up a little bit. Uh, I never inflicted these wounds on him directly, but I just was there when it happened. So, but when we follow Jesus, we have to hit the jumps at full speed. We can't love people halfway, like hesitantly, because we, we're not going to land, we're not going to land the jump. We can't ease into Jesus' mission. We have to, we have to go for it. We have to commit. And, and I know that many of us were hesitant in our faith, and we feel limited. We feel like we're not ready. We're not adequate. We're fearful. We're weak. And, and on our own, those things are all true of us. We are. But what we've seen through the book of Acts is that we are not alone. This is not our mission. This is Jesus's mission that we're on. And And what did Jesus tell his disciples? What does he tell us at the beginning of the book of Acts? The first chapter, he said in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's what's happened here all the way at the end of this book. Paul has sort of gone to the ends of the earth and the church of Jesus has been scattered all over the Roman Empire. Jesus has empowered all of this. He's given us the Holy Spirit to fulfill his mission. So if you follow Jesus, you're his witness wherever you go and you've been given the power to do that. You've been given the power to hit the jumps at full speed. Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the Spirit that lives in us and empowers to be on Jesus' mission. Second Timothy seven says that God has given us A spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. So we can live without fear, with no fear, as we carry out Jesus' mission. No limits, no barriers, no fear. Finally, we see that we can live with no holding back on Jesus' mission. I think what's really incredible about the end of the book of Acts is that it's left unresolved, right? Verse 31 says Paul is preaching the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance, the end. <laughs> That's the end of the book of Acts, and, and we can wonder, like, did some pages just go missing somewhere? Did, is there a scroll that was lost? What happened to the end, to the real end? What happened to Paul? Did the Jews who had accused him, did they ever show up? Did he go to trial? But but what Luke is doing here is the author of the book of Acts, he's doing something very deliberately here. He's reminding us, who is this story really about? It's not about Paul. It's not about Stephen. It's not about Peter. It's not about Philip. It's not about any individuals. It's not even ultimately about the church. Acts is about Jesus. Acts is all about Jesus. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the beginning and the end of the story. If Jesus was crucified and if he was raised from the dead, if that didn't happen, the book of Acts doesn't exist. There's no reason to write this. There's no reason to be on this this mission if these things didn't happen and that's the truth that is the final point here when we believe that that the gospel we're driven by this conviction Jesus you're the exalted son of god you alone are savior and king and now i'm going to live on your mission that's the conviction that comes we live compelled by something great something glorious something bigger Than ourselves, and it leads to this life of holding nothing back, going off the jumps at full speed without hesitation. You cannot explain what happens in the book of Acts if that is not true. People don't live like this for a hoax, something they concocted themselves. People don't die for a hoax, they die for something they truly believe in. And that's the story that the book of Acts is telling us. Even though Luke, as he finishes his book here, he doesn't write the end of Paul's story, but, but church history tells us that Paul uh, left Rome at some point around AD 62, 63. He's set free from house arrest. And what do you think Paul did next? just did the same thing. <laughs> he just kept going out and bringing the gospel of Jesus to people. He visited churches. He wrote letters. He didn't play it safe. He didn't say, you know what? I ran hard for a while, was in a shipwreck, got beaten a few times, giant rocks thrown at me, arrested, riots. Like, I've, I've had a good run. <laughs> it's time for me to hang it up and just retire and, and I'll take a nice cushy job somewhere in Antioch and preach. Um, He doesn't do that. He doesn't play it safe. He stayed on Jesus' mission, and around AD 67, he was arrested and brought back to Rome, where according to church tradition, he was beheaded by the order of Emperor Nero. And before he was martyred, Paul wrote a final letter to his young friend Timothy, who we've seen in the book of Acts. And it, it's really evident. As you read 2 Timothy, Paul knew what was coming. There's a sense of resignation and acceptance in the way that he writes. And, and it's Paul reflecting on his life. I have not held anything back for the sake of Jesus or his mission. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, At the very end of his letter, Paul remembers how he was delivered from his first imprisonment in Rome, and he says to Timothy, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the kind of life that Jesus is calling us into as we follow him. It's a life of holding nothing back. No limits, no fear, no barriers. Because when we look to Jesus, we see he did not hold anything back on our behalf. He withheld nothing, but he poured himself out for us. And when we look to him, we, we can live without fear. We can live without these limitations because nothing will stop the gospel. Nothing will separate us from the love of Jesus. And, and we may lose everything. Paul was beheaded. We may be poured out to the last drop, and we may feel completely overwhelmed. We may feel completely undone, but the Lord will stand by us. He will strengthen us, and he will ultimately rescue us from every evil deed and bring us into his kingdom. As we sing often, we will feast in the house of Zion. And so our call is now, let's live like this is true. Let's live like this is, this is reality. So I invite you to come, come again next week as we talk about that. How are we going to live like this is true together as a church? Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in not so much what we have to do, but what has been done for us. We get to live this this life because we're following the one who has gone before us. When you call us to pour out our lives, it is to first look at the life that was poured out for us in Jesus. When you call us to die to ourselves, it's because we're following the one who died on our behalf. Every call you've given us, Jesus, you have done it already and more. So would you help us see and hear at the last part here that, that it's not so much about what we do, but it is trusting in what you have done for us already, Jesus, and that we could live in this freedom now that we don't have to be limited that we don't have to have barriers, that we don't have to live in fear, and that we can, we can hold nothing back. We can give you everything because, Jesus, you've already done what we could not do. And I pray for us as a church that, that we could radically display this in, in our life together as a community on the mission that you've called us to. We love you, Jesus, and we give you thanks. In your name we pray. Amen.